Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever the mission, home or away, Enterprise helps over 120,000 people every day. With vans of all shapes and sizes, if you have a plan, Enterprise has a van. No matter if you need to rent for an hour, a day, a week or longer, Enterprise offers great rates for you or your business. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, happy Thursday and welcome to another Andy Goldstein's TalkSport Daily podcast with me, Andy Goldstein. I don't know why I bother recording that every day. I mean, they should just take my generic hello, happy Monday, hello, happy Tuesday, hello. And then I'd have less words. I get paid exactly the same. I still get the £8, but I don't have to go, hello. Anyway, I've done it. So if someone could clip that and then move it and then, so I don't. Anyway, we begin the podcast on breakfast with the former Liverpool Man City midfielder Dietmar Haman, who was very critical of the current Manchester City side. And he thinks they've peaked under Pep Guardiola. Or Guardiola, no one actually knows, not even Pep. City hasn't got a centre-forward at the moment. And Guardiola's been there for a few years now. And, and usually after three, four years, because he squeezes teams out uh, and, and, and tries to get the best out of players, but I think he's very demanding. And I, I think City has peaked under Guardiola. I don't see them the league or the Champions League under him. If you look at the record in the game, I think um, any other manager uh, would have been in big, big bother. Um, obviously, they've got some, uh, some Barcelona history in the boardroom. And that might be a reason why he's still there. But if you look at the, in the Champions League, uh, he didn't reach a final several years now with Bayern Munich and with Manchester City. And if you look at the teams who reached a Champions League final in that time, um, they didn't have the forms Bayern Munich or Manchester City has. City has never been to a semi-final in four or five years. And it's simply not good enough. And if you look at the team they got beaten by, um, I just wonder what has to happen for them to make a change. And uh, you don't like managers to, to get sacked. Um, but as I said, I think any other manager, if he had a record in the Champions League, he had, uh, would have been in big bother. Now, yesterday, the FA launched a new football leadership diversity code to drive diversity and inclusion across English football. The chair of the FA's inclusion advisory board, Paul Elliott, explained to White and Jordan how they came up with the percentage targets. Well, it's quite simple. The 15% is in line with the, with the national statistics. You know, that's the 15%. The 25% is in accordance with the playing uh, database. So effectively what you're saying is if clubs are going to hire, for example, and this is based on new hires, four players, you know, one in four, 25% of that will be, you know, will be one from a, from a black, Asian and mixed heritage background. So that's in line with the current playing base. And we have to say 30 to 33% in the, the players that play the game are black anyway. So I think that's a very fair reflective and most players that play the game wish to go into the coaching so uh, as far as I'm concerned I think they're very fair it's equitable and it's based on data and fact and Adrian Durham added his thoughts on TalkSport Drive and he thinks more needs to be done to get female coaches into the men's game this code 
is all positive so let's go with it let's also scrutinize the results as well to see if it works just one brief thing i want to highlight though in all of this an amazing thing there are absolutely no women coaching in men's football now women have taken charge of men's football clubs in Norway, in Germany, in France, and in Portugal. In Scotland, Shelley Kerr was in charge of a men's university team. I think they made the uh, Scottish FA Cup uh, qualifying stages, and she was then appointed Scotland women's national team boss, so there is a pathway. Uh, nothing so far in English football, and there is nothing in this new code to bring women into the recruitment process in the men's game either. Uh, Aston Villa needed a new men's director of football in July. I thought Enia Luco might get the job, but it went to a guy from FC Copenhagen which I thought was a little bit of a surprise but good luck to him uh, I think it's time to crack on with that and get more women coaches into the men's game and let's see where we go from there now speaking ahead of Celtic against Lille in the Europa League today the former Southampton defender Jose Font who now plays for Lille told White and Jordan the side are focused on getting a win against a struggling opponent here in Lille I must be the only one that actually is aware of that apart from the coach maybe Obviously, he looked at the results. We've seen the, the last results. But we are focused on ourselves. We are focused on the job that we have to do. All we want to do is win tomorrow. We are home and uh, we want to get the three points. And there's no reason to suggest that you won. I mean, you've started so well and you're unbeaten in the league. We had a good, very good start of the season. I like where we are. I like the momentum that we have. I like what we've been doing. You know, how the boys are working, how the boys are focused. So... You look at tomorrow at another opportunity to get three points, Jim. It's, it's as simple as that. We focus on the work that the manager wants us to do and we want to win the game tomorrow. It's very important. While Celtic are off the pace in the Premiership, Adrian Durham thinks manager Neil Lennon is rightfully under pressure. This is him confirming everything I've just said about pressure and he's under it and Neil Lennon. Oh, you'll hear anyway. We've lost one game in the league. It was to Rangers at home. Of course there's going to be scrutiny. This is Celtic and Rangers, the old firm. It's Glasgow, it's Scottish football. There's going to be scrutiny when you lose a game like that. He said the media are a disgrace and the fans need to calm down. Listen, let's just step back and look at the reality. Uh, Celtic didn't make the Champions League. They lost at home to Rangers. They drew at Aberdeen at the weekend with 3-2 up in the last minute. Any Celtic manager would be under pressure. Martin O'Neill, Billy McNeil and Strachan. Neil Lennon. They're all going to be under pressure. Jock Steen would have been under pressure. Of course. I mean, there are a lot of nasty rumours doing the rounds that things he's talking about uh, poison. That's all going on in Glasgow, and that's not good, and that's unacceptable. But if Lennon thinks he's going to get an easy ride after the start that Celtic have made, he is deluded. Speaking to Andrew McKenna, or Macca, as no one calls him, on TalkSport 2, the British and Irish Lions head coach Warren Gatland looked ahead to the Lions 2021 tour of South Africa. Our planning at the moment is full steam ahead and uh, it's like everything, you know, things are changing and you've got to be able to adapt. So, look, I, I can't speculate what's going to happen in the future and, 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 you know, for me to say, is the tour going to get pulled? Right? Look, I don't know. I mean, that's that's not in our thinking at the moment. And uh, so, I, you know, I can't, you know, I'm kind of not, I'm thinking on a, on a positive thing. I can't speculate every scenario, every situation and, uh you see now with with the football, they're starting to let bigger crowds in, and the planning for that. You know, is there going to be a situation where we have testing that can be done in, a, in, a, in rapid time? And there's there's been talk about tests being done on the, on the border, talking about tests being done uh, at stadiums where people go, you know, maybe a 15 minute test or a, a quick test, so that allows people to come in. Look, there's lots of different scenarios that I I think we could go through a million of them, you know, and, and try and do that. And so, 
we've got to make sure that we're, we're fluid, we're able to adapt to things. Uh, things are changing from month to month, week to week, in fact. But the way we're looking at it at the moment is, you know, we're planning for a full tour with, with fans and supporters and, and South African supporters being there. And, you know, if things are different, then we have to be able to adapt, adapt and, and change. And so, you know, that's for us, everything's just speculation, you know. Time now to turn our attention to a bit of punching and former world heavyweight champion and trainer of Derek Chisora, David Oh, I've hurt my little toe. Hey, spoke to James Savundra ahead of Chisora's big fight with Alexander Usyk this weekend. I wonder if Derek Chisora will be hit so hard in the stomach, he'll be all sick. No, doesn't work, does it? This is the first camp where Derek's bought in absolutely to, to everything you're offering. Why do you think that is? Do you think that the pennies dropped and Derek realises that this is an incredible opportunity at stake here on Saturday? It's not so much the opportunity. He's had big opportunities before and he's never really pulled his socks up. I think it's because he was had a little bit of fear that this guy's that good, that this guy's the type of guy who could really do damage to you. You know, this is a tactician. This is a guy who can come from all kinds of crazy angles, hitting you from behind you sometimes. The guy's, you know, he's so three-dimensional. And if Derek Chisora runs out of steam in this fight, it could get very painful very fast. And Derek's the type of guy who absorbs whatever anyone can throw at him. He's like that guy who could just keep taking it and taking it. And music can keep dishing out and dishing it out. So if you run out of steam against someone like that, you're in for a very, very long, painful night. And Derek Chisora doesn't want that. Derek Chisora is 36 years old. This is his last roll of the dice. This is his last big opportunity. He's fighting for the WBO mandatory position. Now, effectively, the winner of this fight should fight Anthony Joshua for the, for, the, for, the, for the big one, for the crown jewels. He's become so battle-hardened, so strong, so focused that he's going to cause one of the biggest upsets ever on British soil in the heavyweight division. I can't think of another upset like this. It's, 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 this is a real life-and-death fight for Derek Tesoro. He knows that. Now, ahead of Arsenal's Europa League tie with Dundalk later, no, me neither, Ian Abraham's caught up with the manager, Mikel Arteta, and defender, Mustafi. Your team didn't score at the weekend, I think, apart from Manchester City in the Premier League. Leicester were the first team to do that in a couple of years. So what are you expecting from Eddie Nketiah tomorrow? Well, it's the role of everybody, first of all, mind to give him um, the solutions and the right structure to, to attack better. Obviously, this block and uh, the way they set up is not easy at all. But uh, we opened them up in the first half five or six times and we should have scored the goal. Um, but something that we are not too used to as well because we haven't faced teams doing it uh, that uh, regularly. But I think it's a really good sign that with Leicester suddenly comes to your house and acts like this is because they really respect you now and uh, and they are concerned. And uh, we have to take that as a, something very positive as an advantage because if a lot of teams start to do that, I'm telling you that we're going to win a lot of games. Every Premier League side bar Chelsea who drew their opening game have, have won in Europe so far in both Champions League and also the Europa League. So does that show how strong the Premier League is compared to the other leagues around Europe? In the last uh, eight or ten months, um, the improvement of the teams in quality, in organisation and, and the way they are competing, it's been... Uh, the biggest I've seen in recent years. And that's why you can see the, the difficulties of every team to win with, with big margins. And I think, in my opinion, it's not a coincidence. And uh, you can see that um, in every Premier League game. So I think uh, 
the league is in a great place at the moment. Does the Europa League still represent maybe for a team like Arsenal their best way back into the Champions League in a year's time? It is a option, of course. Um, I mean, in the last years, we have been very close to uh, to win it. And um, of course, when you win it, you, you go into Champions League. But if you look at the, the Premier League, you have uh, 38 games that you can play. I think if you look at the amount of the games, probably, of course, um, the Premier League is the most important competition. But uh, the Europa League... Is uh, a competition that gives you the way to go into the Champions League and is a competition where you can win a title. And it's not a bad title to win uh, the Europa League. So that's why I think uh, it is a very important competition for us. Now, there was more Champions League action last night on TalkSport as Krasnodar hosted Chelsea. And annoyingly, Chelsea won convincingly in the end. Hudson Adoy with a shot and it's in! Horrible moment for the goalkeeper Safanov. Hudson Adoy with a routine shot. He should have been saved, but he's gone right through the young Russian. And Chelsea have the advantage eight minutes before half time. Better from Chelsea bringing forward Ziesh almost able to play it into Pulisic, who does get a shot in. Big appeals for handball, and it is a penalty again to Chelsea. Timo Werner will take this one. Jorginho missed the one in the first half, has gone off. He's just been substituted off. This is for a handball by Martinovic. And Werner will hit it and puts it into the bottom left-hand corner. Chelsea, two goals to the good. It's a really good penalty. He just goes for power. It's not too far off centre. The goalkeeper can't react quick enough because it's just too hard. He thunders it into the back of there. Werner trying to make something happen and the shot goes in for 3-0. Beautifully taken. Hakim Ziyech scores his first Chelsea goal. And the Blues are three up with ten minutes to go. That's the ZH that we know. That's the one that we saw at Ajax. Abraham played inside the area. Pulisic and there is goal number four. And he's beaten Safanov at his near post. Some icing on the cake for Chelsea. I'm very pleased with the performance tonight of Rudiger and Kurt Zuma. They can take uh, credit for the clean sheet amongst other players. Um, I, I didn't have doubts over Tony. He's training and uh, professionalism has been very clear from the beginning since I've been here and certainly in recent weeks and I was very pleased with his concentration levels the whole back four or back five of Mendy as well concentration levels to to have a real desire to keep a clean sheet going forward we need more than two centre backs we have Thiago Silva at home we have Tomori and Christensen in the squad it's not easy to keep five centre backs happy but we need the levels of competition that we saw on the pitch today to keep moving forward now, Donny van der Beek started Manchester United's game with Leipzig last night. Oh, he'll never play. He'll never... Yeah, he played, all right? So get over it, everyone. Stop moaning. Anyway, someone who'll be pleased with that is the Dutch football expert, Marcel van der Kran, who told the breakfast show that Dutchman needs more minutes on the pitch. He's only been there five minutes, for God's sake. He was a big guy in the Netherlands. He was, he was a the top boy at Ajax after Matthijs de Ligt and Frankie de Jong had left. The fans loved him. He, he was kind of the new icon. He waited longer. He said, I won't go yet. I look for a mature age before I go. And in that way, yes, he has got a bit of aura around him. I don't think uh, he will be on the sideline all season. But we have to take in consideration the conversations he had with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the summer or before the summer. He was in, um, in demand at Barcelona at Real Madrid, where he'd more or less he'd, he'd signed there. All, all that was needed in medical, and things changed in Spain because of the uh, COVID situation and Real Madrid not thinking it was appropriate to make massive signings where everybody was getting laid off in work. 
And the talks were going on with Solskjaer, private talks. Of course, when we, you know, we see that a Dutch player is heading to a, a foreign competition, we make inquiries, we contact the agent, you, you, you sound people out. And that's when we found out that he had such great talks with Solskjaer. Solskjaer kind of, well, I won't say promised him things, but he made it so clear, look, don't go to the other clubs, come to me because I've got this, this and that in my mind with you. And that doesn't go with what the situation is at the moment. And if I see his face uh, in the stand, it, it, it's not a happy face. And I can, I can understand that he wants playing time. And here's what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said after that game. Manchester United 5, RB Leipzig 0. A first hat-trick for the young career of Marcus Rashford. A superb night for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his management. And Manchester United, brilliant so far in this tournament. It was uh, a case of using the squad. We had to rest a few players. And I think the ones who came in did brilliant. Um, we had to work hard for this because uh, they really made us work hard off the ball, on the ball as well, because the count, the pressure, the intensity of, of their play was incredible. And uh, after 2-0, of course, they open up and they, they go for the goals and the spaces open up for our uh, fresh legs, because we have fresh legs out there. And um, of course, it's, a, it's a very good uh, to know for the players that we have a strong squad to pick from. Now, going back to Chelsea, Frank Lampard called on homegrown players to be shown more respect after becoming only the second Englishman to manage in two Champions League campaigns. Simon Jordan, Katie Price's ex-husband, believes players coming through now that have worked under foreign coaches will be in a better place for bigger jobs in the future. Yeah, it makes sense. The old argument was, back in the day, idiot owners buy foreign players because they're cheaper. But now it's morphed into actually virtually every aspect of English football has an international flavour to it, whether it's the owner, the manager the assistant manager, the technical director, the coaches, every aspect now. So it has to prove a point that something was necessarily not right in the game and, 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 and in the, the way that players came through to be managers. Players became managers. Now you look at the next generation. Frank Lampard has come through working under international managers and his experiences with, initially with Harry Redknapp, but he didn't even, and there's nothing wrong with Harry Redknapp, by the way, moving across into all the raft of managers that he had at Chelsea and you bring out a very different set of managerial thinking that Frank Lampard has from the current, from a previous cop of players. So I look at it and simply say that it's because the culture of English football wasn't where it needed to be. And if you take players that had a certain attitude and then you, you bring them through and make them to managers, they have a similar attitude as managers. And of course, we finish the podcast with the best bits of my show, Andy Goldstein Sports Bar, Monday to Thursday from 10pm. This is what happened on last night's show, would you believe? Where's that United side in the league? Well, we haven't seen it yet, but it's there. The fact that it's there yeah, is, is a good... It's only early in the yeah, league. No, no, but I'm saying, where is that well, team? It's early in the league. No, but where is it? Why aren't we seeing well, that? Well, because there's been so much rotation. It's a long season. But, but, where, hold on, but hold on, it's a long season, and we're incredibly early on in that season. Yes, but where's that for United in the league? That's what... The, he's got to bottle that and yeah, find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got to get it. Time. It's only five games old. Yeah, but I've seen United in the league this season. They stunk the place out. Yeah. And I see United in Europe, they've been outstanding. Yes. How can you go from stinking a joint out I wouldn't, I wouldn't, to being excellent? But I wouldn't say this isn't... Easy. The way you're, you're packing up is like a negative thing. The point is we're getting better. No, not in the league, you're not. This is, no, this oh, is we a, are. no, we are in the league. This is a no, we are in the league. First game was appalling. No, no. Uh, uh, no, no, what, yeah, what, yeah. 
No, I've no, seen yeah. Palace. I've seen Palace. I've yeah. seen Brighton. Yeah, I've seen. I've seen Newcastle for uh, for eighty minutes. Right. Where is it? Well, hold, on, hold on. Hold on. That's you, what. We, yeah, that's but, United. I've yeah, got to but get. But United that. are getting better in the league. They were appalling to begin with. You missed Spurs out of that list as well. Appalling. I don't know whether United are getting better in the league yet. I don't know whether they oh, are. We are. Nearly time to let you go. Let me tell you about some live football you can hear today at five pm on Talksport Two. It's Antwerp against Spurs in the Europa League. Uh, that's all we've got time for on this podcast. I'll be back, of course, for Andy Goldstein. Sports Bar Monday to Thursday from 10pm that's tonight obviously it being Thursday and Friday means I'll be back on drive time my regular Friday drive time slot with Darren Ben. anyway that's Friday today's Thursday so tonight it's 10 tomorrow's anyway you get the idea there will be another one of these Andy Goldstein TalkSport Daily podcasts out first thing in the morning so do what you have to do to get it in the meantime have a great day be safe everyone be safe that was a podcast from TalkSport the TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever your mission, home or away, don't delay. Enterprise has the vehicle for the job. Rent from the best lineup in the UK. With over 450 branches, Enterprise has what your business needs. From compact three-door cars to spacious SUVs and people carriers to vans, they offer a large range of reliable vehicles perfect for the job. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.